WBEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from Raising Nebraska. It is on the Nebraska State Fairgrounds as we had a 4-H Foundation board meeting today. Lots of things happening in this market trade, including the outside market influences. I think that was the, the big thing that let the steam out of the, of the markets. When you look at the corn and the beans and, and the drop that they had within the market trade. We'll also take a look at this wheat complex. It's too, we know there's been a struggle bus happening for them. We can blame a lot of that maybe on what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and, of course, the continued dryness in the states. But what I find is interesting is even though corn and beans were lower, usually we see an opposite reaction in the live cattle and the feeder cattle. Unfortunately, they went to the lower as well. All those details are going to be worked out today with Sue Martin. Sue is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So let's start there. Outside market influences on these corn and the beans definitely took a toll for a second day. Well, they did. Uh, first off, um, for both corn and beans, um, down in Brazil, the uh, protests have, you know, we have to keep in mind that Bolsonaro's, uh, the current president's um, administration, uh, has said that they will uh, work to get everything in place to align with transiting over to the Lula da Silva uh, administration. And so that was basically, even though Bolsonaro didn't say it himself, that was basically almost like conceding that that they would work with it. Now, if you're going to protest against the income or the person that's coming in rather than the incumbent, this is the time you do that because he isn't likely to be quite as tough on you as if you protest after Lula da Silva gets him. He could be quite tough. And Bolsonaro is thought to be very pro-Russian and Chinese, and why wouldn't he? He made the effort to go over and get um, aligned uh, deals to get fertilizer brought into the country for the farmers, and he also uh, has worked deals with China to get them to start buying uh, Brazilian corn. And so it looks like any time here after uh, the Chinese Ag Ministry um, accepted you know, or laid out the various companies that would be accepted to send corn over to China, it looks like exports can start any time. So that's all kind of weighing on the market. And then export sales this morning were rather disappointing, both in beans and corn. But what would we expect when it comes to corn, unless, you know, you're railing ethanol down to the Gulf, corn is going to be needing to go down the Mississippi River, and it's not making it down. They're very easy to load ships. So that wears on our exports. Likewise, it does on beans. The only thing is, beans can make it out through the Pacific Northwest via rail. So the next thing we need to watch is to make sure that we don't go into a rail strike. That could then derail these markets a little bit for a moment. Um, but the government will step in on that one. So... You know, we look at um, the weather, and uh, the latest drought monitor, of course, shows Ohio, Indiana, and Iowa, and Minnesota, and Missouri, and the Plains states a whole lot drier this year at this time than they were a year ago. And there is talk now that this La Nina could actually last into February. So you've got Argentina, who at least into mid-November is now looking at expanding 
uh, past the 50% of the country in very dry conditions. And then you've got Brazil in maybe 10% of the country in dry conditions. But that could expand under this La Nina influence. So you look at, and, and you brought up China, and my understanding is they had done some revamping when it came to their COVID uh, restrictions. So that's got to be somewhat um, weighing in on the economy as well, which has that trickle-down effect for the rest of the world's well, market sector. It does. Um, China, of course, is trying to denounce that they're going to lighten up on the, the COVID um uh, restrictions and to be on, on the mainland and to be honest with you this has been kind of a thought process I've had for a very long time that once she got past those uh, congressional um, meetings and uh, Congress that he would then start to lighten up on some of this and and then the economy maybe could get started but you know I iPhones are basically not getting produced right now in China because where that's at, they're in a COVID lockdown. So, you know, it is weighing on the economy, but on the same token, I really think that we will see that change. The only thing is we have to expect, would China admit this, that they were going to do away with COVID uh, lockdowns? No, they're going to wait till after they have everything in place all the stuff bought they actually have to have and then yes they'll tell us they're going to do away with the lockdowns so they're going to get their ducks in a row first because you know we can look at our own country and what prices did when we started to be a little more free and the same is going to be very much true of china especially when they're the world's largest importer and the pressure that they're putting on to to get stuff at a, a more cheaper price and looking not at the u.s but looking like you said at south america Oh, exactly. And you remember, China will talk one way and do another. And you always watch their actions rather than what they say. And the other thing, too, we have to keep in mind that, you know, they realize that the dryness that we have had is really affecting our ability to get stuff loaded timely out of the U.S. So that, too, is sort of... I suppose in some indirect way, pushing them also to uh, Brazil. Now, one thing I thought that was interesting, when they announced all the companies that would be allowed to ship corn over to China, well, it was rather interesting because, you know, the ADM and and the Cargill and the Louis Dreyfus and the Bungie was all there. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. The Fontenelle final bell for this Thursday version continues in just a moment on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship for details. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Sue Martin. Sue, again, with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So you were talking about the supply and demand report that comes out. We aren't going to see one um, in December. But some interesting factors as you look at the, the potential drop in, in the soybean numbers, but the increase in corn numbers. 
Well, that's it. I think that uh, the corn yields have been better than what everybody was thinking. And so, therefore, you know, we went down in the yield in the last report, and it was kind of a surprise. This one might come higher, even though a lot of times when you go lower from August to September and September to October, you'll decline again in November. There's a tendency more to do that than not. But this time I wonder if we won't see an increase in the corn yield. In the beans, I think the bean yield could be a little less. And um, But, you know, in some areas, it's been amazing. If you caught the rains in August, then the yields came out pretty good. If you didn't catch the rains in August, well, it was what saved your tail was the cool days or not the cool days, but the cool nights and the moisture and the dewy mornings. That dew is what really helped those beans out and probably save a lot of these drier areas. So even in our own area, if you missed the August rains, your yield was maybe in the low 60s. If you caught the August rains, you were up closer to 80. So looking at the bigger picture of that and sitting on those numbers um, all the way through the December into January, because it's usually kind of quieter that time, could that weigh for a little bit on these market trades? It could. You know, right now, I would have to say that uh, the funds, you know, keep in mind that the seasonality for corn and beans is to start rallying, put lows in and, and start rallying. And the seasonal tendency for wheat was to go down through November or through October into November. And so when I look at um, uh, the trade position, you know, what the funds are sitting like, well, managed funds, you know, they've uh, pretty much are short around an estimated 33,000 contracts of, of wheat. And that would be into uh, this morning. The soybean contracts, uh, by managed funds are estimated to be long 99,000 and that's thought to be up 24,000 contracts since last Friday's report. And then the long position in corn by managed funds is kind of getting up there. It's at 263,000 estimated coming into today. So the uh, managed money has a pretty decent position on, but you know, when you're going into a weekend, all the uncertainty and in the wheat market where uh, Russia, you know, it makes you wonder if Russia isn't trading the market because all they have to do is pull an action and the price goes down. If they decide they're going to be agreeable through the uh, Black Sea Grain Corridor or if all of a sudden they say eh, we've been hit on by drones and they turn around and they say we're pulling out and send the market right back. Well, only they know what they're going to do in advance. I wouldn't be surprised that those guys are trading this market. But uh, the uncertainty and the volatility in the wheat market, I think it keeps traders from being too aggressive, being short. And I think the funds are just working it on a seasonal basis. So, Sue, we see a drop in the grains. This isn't the first day this week we've seen a drop. But we continue to see a drop on the livestock side as well. And usually a consecutive drop means some higher numbers on the grain, our livestock. Well, I think that uh, when we look at uh, the cattle market, you know, um, the, they didn't do much today. They were lower uh, other than it mixed in the fats. Um, 
December cattle are up 55 today, and that seems to me to be priced in pretty nicely with cattle. I, it might be for maybe the uh, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, Panhandle area. It might be a little bit rich, but not much. And, uh, and then you look at um, uh, getting in towards Nebraska and Iowa. Well, those cash prices are pretty much in line with the December futures. So we'll see what happens, but the numbers should be tightening here as we go through November and on into December. Beef demand is very good. Um, I would have to say it's probably pretty excellent. Especially with all the talk of higher turkey prices going into Thanksgiving. Uh, we were talking about that with Brad Coima. It might be an opportunity for beef and even pork to step in and say, hey, maybe you need to change up Thanksgiving a little bit. I think so, especially, and it depends on, to the availability. Most, I think most Hy-Vee stores or grocery stores will have some turkeys. But to be honest with you, because of the avian bird flu, um, the size of the production on turkeys and chickens, what have you, is down. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051, and you all have a great day. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.